0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Rethink Retail Podcast. I'm Gabriella Bach and today I am speaking with Carly Iacono. Carly is a Senior Vice President at CBRE's Capital Markets and Investment Properties Group and the host of the widely followed commercial real estate video series, CRE Fast Five, which offers a weekly overview of the most pressing topics in commercial real estate. Carly is also a senior advisor within the exclusive NetLease Property Group, which is a national team of top level brokers located in metropolitan areas across the United States that specialize in transacting single tenant assets and net lease portfolios nationwide. Carly, thank you so much for joining the show today.
1: Gabriella, thank you so much for having me. Great to be part of it.
0: And it's great to have you here. And as we start, I would love it if you could just kind of kick us off a little bit by telling us about your professional journey and your role in the commercial real estate and retail industry.
1: Absolutely. So I'm a senior vice president at CBRE, and I'm part of the Capital Markets Group. So what that means is I represent owners of commercial real estate, specifically in retail across the country. We work with everyone from private clients who own a single asset all the way up to real estate investment trusts and funds that own portfolios of retail assets. Also, very active in structuring sale leaseback strategies for retailers or businesses that are looking to monetize their real estate. So, anything to do with retail and real estate in the intersection of those two worlds.
0: Excellent. And you also host a show on YouTube. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about that?
1: Absolutely. So we host a weekly video series called CRE, Commercial Real Estate Fast Five, CRE Fast Five. And the genesis of that was actually pre-pandemic. We wanted a way to educate new investors reach new clients and just really add value on a broader scale. I found Mm -hmm. I was having a lot of the same conversations over and over and just there's only so many hours in the day. So I wanted to Mm -hmm. really expand our reach. That's how it started. It has grown exponentially and is now a mix of very short format interviews on our secret sauce part of the show and then investor education on the core CRE Fast Five episodes and tenant spotlights where we highlight different companies and retailers from uh, an investment angle.
0: Excellent. Well, you know, super smart idea. I love the format. You know, it's, to your point, quick, easily digestible, which I'm sure a lot of your clients and, you know, our listeners who are also busy professionals would very much appreciate. So listeners, be sure to check out Fast Five on YouTube. And we will add a link in the description of this podcast episode. All right, well, let's kind of start things off high level. So I would love to get your perspective on, you know, the current state of the market. And, you know, actually, I'm, I'm sure many of us have, you know, heard by now or even experienced the current crazy residential housing market. So I am curious to know kind of how in sync these two markets are with one another.
1: I would say the similarity between the two markets is tied to interest rates and inflation. So the larger economic factors will, of course, influence all real estate residential or commercial, but there are very significant differences in the subsets, even within commercial real estate. So industrial has performed different than retail, which has performed different than office in the last two years. So mm-hmm. each asset class really has its own story to tell, but for today's purposes, we will we will stick with retail and it's a very, very interesting time in the market. So we have this confluence of factors that I don't think we've seen definitely not in the last 10 years. And I've been in real estate for longer than I care to admit. So it's, it's a time where we have inflation. So we have rising values. We also have rising interest rates, which depresses investment volume. So just to put some numbers behind it, total U S commercial real estate volume increased 45% year over year in Q1. Wow. 45%. I mean, that's Astronomical. So we're at 150 billion now. So the market, by that measure, if you look at that in a vacuum, is the strongest it's ever been. We have retail property prices that have increased 16% year over year in Q1 2022. So prices are going up, volumes up. Yet last year was a banner year. But we have some challenges too. We have some headwinds. We have rising interest rates, like I mentioned which are making properties a little more difficult to finance. We have just a lot of uncertainty in the world. Mm-hmm. So we have investors who are coming into commercial real estate looking for stability. And then we have some that say these prices are very, very inflated. We're going to sit on the sidelines and kind of wait and see what happens with the Fed and rates throughout the rest of the year. So it's it's a mix right now.
0: Mm-hmm. So then would you say that These rising rates, are they directly tied to the pandemic or were these, you know, increases kind of predictable? Um, Are we seeing, you know, any trends prior to the pandemic that you can speak on?
1: Retail is really having a rebirth resurgence. We had two years of the pandemic with tremendous headlines. Everyone heard, you know, retail's dead. Obviously, we couldn't go to stores for a period of time, so that didn't Mm -hmm. help. And it was time for retail to reinvent itself. I don't think anyone knows this probably better than you in your role, speaking with retailers and uh, companies every day. But there's been so much change in the last two years. Much of it was overdue. So we had a period of pause where investor sentiment was not great on retail. Companies weren't really sure what they were going to look like post-pandemic. And now that we're on the other side of that, it's an incredible time for retail real estate. We have a ton of new tenants opening faces. We've never seen companies that were digital only are opening bricks and mortar locations. We have new investors who are diversifying from other property types. Maybe they had only bought office or hotels or industrial, and now they're coming into retail. Mm -hmm. So it's, a tremendous amount of attention to retail right now from all sides. So it's a very good time for retail in general as an asset class.
0: Excellent. I love to hear it. And then what are we seeing in terms of store openings and closings? I know during the kind of start of the pandemic, it was very doom and gloom on the store closings. No one will survive was kind of like the what the headlines were suggesting. So, um, what are we seeing? Are we seeing, you know, more closings than openings? Are we seeing more openings than closings? Do you have anything you can share with us?
1: Absolutely. So, store openings announced in January 2022 were about 8,000 new mm-hmm. stores, which doubled the currently announced closures, which were around 4,000 as of March 29th. So we have flipped that script of doom and gloom, and we now have a lot more store openings than we do closings. And now we have a supply issue, the opposite, right? We thought retail vacancy was growing. It was with all the closures and, you know, we have all this excess space. Now there's not enough space. So it has Really transitioned from pandemic to post pandemic in a very big way. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing much higher demand, which is putting upward pressure on rents and Mm -hmm. certainly more openings than closings.
0: That's great to hear. I did want to know so, if we're kind of talking on the trends that are then impacting these shifts, you know, there was a lot of migration away from large cities during the pandemic. And so, Wondering how, how that's impacting the markets. Are we seeing retailers expanding their footprint in um, smaller markets at a, at a greater rate and so maybe large-scale cities and maybe at a greater rate than before the pandemic?
1: It's a great question. We definitely saw a shift in demand to the Sunbelt states over the last two years. So Southeast, Southwest, it was following the population migration that also is starting to reverse. And in fact, in the last four quarters rolling, New York was the largest market in terms of total investment volume at Mm -hmm. 63 billion, followed by LA. So again, that doesn't tell the story of growth, but total activity, total investment dollars are still going to the core markets. Now, Orlando was actually the fastest growing market in terms of investment dollars. And Mm -hmm. although that's a little different than the the store opening metric, it follows, right? They're tied together. So the locations where retailers are opening is where more investment from the landlord side is happening. So they are correlated. So I I definitely think the core cities that we thought were going to be depressed for a lot longer are not. The attention Mm -hmm. has shifted back to those A markets. Now, there's still growth in Austin, Dallas and a lot of these key cities, but that does not mean it's at the expense of activity in the core cities core markets.
0: And then were there any other consumer trends that we're seeing impacting these shifts? maybe you know drive up? how is, how is that impacting the way you know companies are going about um, selecting their properties?
1: tremendous demand for drive-throughs or drive up or pick up. A lot of tenants are re-evaluating their use of space. So we have unique tenants who want to control the real estate that never really thought it was necessary. So we've tenants coming out of malls, even out of inline space to freestanding single tenant, which is my world, investment properties. So a tenant that let's say an Aspen Dental maybe would have been in line and is now a freestanding standalone property. Even Macy's is doing Mm -hmm. smaller format standalone stores. Part of this is driven by the desire for long-term flexibility. If you are the only tenant on a parcel, you can use your parking lot a lot more fluidly. You can create a drive through window if the zoning allows for it. You have more options long-term. So we have increased demand for the single tenant format from a lot of different types of tenants because of that really need or desire to be able to pivot long term. And I think just overall smaller format stores is something we've seen for a few years that we do Mm -hmm. expect will continue.
0: So if we're talking about, you know, retailers and shifting to kind of off-mall sites, do you have any insight into then these? properties where you know malls were built and how those properties are being used now. Like I know we've we have a lot of dead mall space in the country and we've heard a lot about how those properties could be turned into, you know, warehouses or housing. I just wanted to get your take on that and if if you've seen anything there.
1: Absolutely. So not surprisingly to me, but surprising if you read the headlines, A-malls are having their absolute best years ever. Their sales are higher in many cases than pre-pandemic. So it's a, it's really a tale of multiple markets and multiple asset classes, A, B, and C, which is typically how malls are designated. So A-malls, phenomenal performance. Your B and C malls are often being repositioned, which is not a bad thing. That doesn't mean they're going away. That doesn't mean it's going to be just dead space. It's really what's the highest and best use for this piece of property. And maybe it's a retail component with housing, like you mentioned. Maybe there's a medical or med tail, as we call it, which is the merging of medical and retail concept. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's more community meeting space for events or food trucks. So it's very much market in niche area specific as to what's happening. Some malls are being repurposed to distribution sites as a lot of companies want that last mile distribution closer and closer to the consumer. And typically retail is right in the heart of the consumer, whether that's a mall or a smaller retail strip. So industrial is an option too. That's a bit challenging from a zoning perspective, but has been done. I don't think there's one easy answer I think the takeaway is that malls have a lot of life left and they are certainly being repurposed in some very interesting ways when necessary, but that's not across the board. The standard core malls are actually very in demand and performing quite well.
0: Yeah. And I would imagine that has a lot to do with, you know, people wanting to get back out and shop in person after several years of being cooped up inside. so that's great to hear that people are out and about and, and traveling to malls again. And I want to shift now a little bit to yourself and how you help tenants. And so I wanted to know, you know, maybe what what's some questions that you would want tenants to ask themselves before, you know, leasing or purchasing uh, commercial real estate?
1: So we are, my team specifically does not represent tenants from a leasing perspective. We represent investors or landlords on a property purchase sale or sale lease back. So a sale lease back is a scenario where a company owns the real estate and operates the business and they sell the real estate while maintaining their tenancy at the property long-term. So that is a great way to monetize real estate, be able to take the working capital and invest elsewhere. There are many benefits to sell leaseback. So in that instance, we do work with businesses of all shapes and sizes to structure that if they currently own the real estate. Now on the, the leasing side, we work closely with our leasing teams across the country and of course can connect anybody who needs assistance to the right resources there. The one thing I would say to keep in mind from a a tenant perspective is that rents are rising. We're seeing this across the board. So Mm -hmm. locking into what may be a longer lease than they think they want or purchasing real estate or structuring a sale lease back now to keep their rents consistent long-term could be a very sound way to control costs moving forward. So just watching rent levels as they're tied to inflation change is something I think every retailer or tenant should be aware of.
0: Interesting. And so then how do you help your clients like what? So when they come to you, are they are they looking to purchase, you know, space that's been already built up? Are they looking to purchase, you know, just land that needs to be developed first? How does that work? And then how do you kind of help them, you know, scout those sure. areas
1: based on their needs. Sure, great question. So we typically represent owners and buyers of stabilized net lease properties. Mm-hmm. So a net lease property is a freestanding building in which the tenant pays the the three nets, taxes, maintenance and insurance in addition to rent. So when you have a net lease property where the tenant is maintaining, they're paying expenses, it is a very passive investment for the landlord, which is why it's so attractive, right? Everything is fixed and modeled out. So our clients come to us looking for passive income and long-term holds. They will then have specific criteria on price point, return they're looking for, the types of tenants they'd like to be a landlord for. And then we will look for, if we're representing buyers, the right type of investment for them nationally. If we're representing sellers, the valuation process, it could be a a Walmart, it could be a CVS, a Popeye's fast food restaurant, really anything that you see when you drive down the street that is a freestanding building is almost, with very few exceptions, certainly owned by an investor, could be private or a public investor with a tenant on a net lease of some variety, almost every company which most people don't realize. So you drive down the street and you see a Wendy's, that's an investment property. You see an urgent care, that's an investment property. Every national company with, again, very few exceptions are tenants. They do not own the real estate. So that's where we come in to match the investors, the right type of tenant and property that's already built. Now we do work with developers who have land sites and then our leasing team matches the tenants. And then we sell those when the properties are completed because that's the the standard developer model, mm-hmm. right? Build the property, get the tenant, and then move on to the next project. So we do work with a lot of developers, but we don't typically source the 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 raw land.
0: And then so even Walmart. So I, I think I just kind of assumed that Walmart own the land where they're located. So that's not the case. As far as so I know you guys work with with the developers and the investors, but typically how long do those those leases tend to run with you know these large corporate entities like Walmart?
1: Mm -hmm. Great question. It's very tenant specific and national tenants will have their standard lease forms that are fairly consistent across Mm -hmm. different states. So CVS, for example, will typically do a 20 or 25 year base term, which is the guaranteed portion of the term, and then have another 25 to 50 years of options. So from the tenant perspective, you're taking over a property that's usually a built to suit to their specifications, which is why mm-hmm. most CVS look the same across the country, right? It's built just for them. And you understand what your real estate costs are going to look like for up to the next 75 years, a very, very wow. long time. As an investor, you have incredible stability, which is why so many people target net lease as an investment, especially in their later years for estate planning and passive income, because it it really is completely managed by the tenant. Now, there are certain tenants that do shorter terms. Uh, 7-Eleven typically does a a 10 or a 15-year base term on a new build fast food will be 15 to 20 years. And again, those are the guaranteed or base terms it's called. And then there are options beyond that, which are at the tenant's option. Verizon, I believe, does a 10-year base term. So it really varies by the type of tenant and their preferred lease structure.
0: Interesting. And that's quite a long time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, as you mentioned, a lot of stability then for those investors. And then I'm curious so how often do retailers and tenants do they leave after those leases are up like you know besides foot traffic what what kind of factors would prompt them to leave
1: more often than not we see them exercise their options because moving and creating another build to suit property working with a developer is expensive so even if the development costs are being borne by the developer the only way that the numbers pencil out is if the retailer pays significant rent for that mm-hmm. build-to-suit property. So often companies, no matter who it is, will stay put because it's it's a much more affordable option than moving and creating another build-to-suit property.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: considerations at the end of their base term would be the actual location, how has the market changed in? You know, the 20, 25, 30, 40 years they've been there, a lot can happen over that much time. So are the demographics still meeting the tenant's needs? Are the access still acceptable, the ingress and egress of the property? Or has the development in the area made it such that it's too hard to get to their property now? Have the, the rent levels in the market gone up or gone down to where their rent is above market? And it actually would be a savings for them to move. That's rare, but that's one you know, consideration as well. Or do they frankly want a, a bigger space or a smaller space? Is the retailer's store footprint changing to where they need a different type of site? Because as you know, retailer prototypes change every 10 years, usually substantially. Mm -hmm. So if the square footage needs change significantly, it might not be possible to renovate on the existing site. So they might have to go to a new site, whatever that means for rent, whether it be up or down.
0: One of my favorite things about 2022 is that we are finally getting back to live person events. And one event Rethink Retail is especially looking forward to attending this year is Shop Talk Europe taking place June 6 through 8 at Excel London, ShopTalk Europe is the new home for Europe's retail and grocery change makers. The event is expected to see over 2500 decision makers from leading retailers and brands, startups, tech firms, investors, media and analysts. We are all coming together to learn, network, collaborate and evolve. The event will host more than 200 industry speakers, and if that wasn't enough to keep you busy, more than 250 companies will be showcasing the latest trends and innovations that are transforming the global retail sector. Qualifying retailers and brands can attend ShopTalk Europe for free with up to a £500 travel reimbursement through ShopTalk's world-renowned hosted meeting program. For more information, visit shoptalkeurope.com. Carly, so I know we touched upon it uh, a little bit, you know, inflation and rising pricing in the market. Um, but I did want to get your take on with all of these factors and, and all of these shifts in consumer behavior and expectations. You know, generally speaking, where do you, where do you feel that the retail real estate market is headed It's very positive.
1: We have less development underway than we've ever had for many factors. The cost of construction, limited available space, the challenges of the last few years of approvals and COVID shutdowns. So right now, there is the lowest level of new construction than we've seen in a very, very long time. So what that is going to do is create competition for available prime space, which it already is. And that in turn is going to boost rents, which is great for investors, makes the properties more attractive as the income grows over time. So I think because of all those factors, we're going to continue seeing multiple bidders for well-positioned quality retail assets. And bricks and mortar is not going away we've heard time and time again over the last year that e-commerce alone is not profitable for companies. It is a much better strategy to be omni-channel or even more focused on bricks and mortar from a profitability standpoint. So I think we'll continue to see the shift back. And in fact, in-store sales are growing faster than e-commerce sales are growing right now. And I think that's going to continue. So I do Despite the challenges economically and much bigger picture in the world right now, geopolitical, et cetera, mm-hmm. I think retail is very well positioned to, to kind of be a, a sleeper, a surprise for people that it will outperform in the next few years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and just following up really quick on, on your point on uh, rising rents, how do you foresee that impacting you know, small businesses, mom and pop's?
1: That's the biggest challenge. And we see the most of those opening right now. And I think that has something to do with the great resignation or whatever they're calling it now. The great reshuffling, I think was the new term I heard this morning (laughs) on the, the labor market. So there will be some challenges to small businesses who are starting out and trying to find good space at rates that are comfortable for them. I do think that will be a challenge and it's going to be a bigger chunk of sales than rent used to be overall. So it will be very important for small business to be careful and really model out their expenses and make sure that they're comfortable with where they are. So it is going to be a challenge. I don't think there's an easy answer right now. I think it's everyone will be banking on higher sales and the inflated prices, which are often passed on to the consumer to boost the profitability and cover those additional expenses. Mm -hmm. Costs are going up everywhere, right? Like I mentioned, the construction costs are rising. So even the cost to renovate a space when a tenant moves out and a new one comes on, that's Mm -hmm. called TI or tenant improvement dollars. That's much higher than it was two years ago. So the landlord costs are higher, which necessitates rents being higher, or it, it doesn't make sense to be a landlord. So we're seeing increased pressure from a cost perspective everywhere, and that hopefully will be eased over time, but also with growing sales will kind of trickle down and assist the tenant, which then will allow them to pay their rent to the landlord who then can do the necessary improvements and Mm -hmm. maintain the properties, et cetera.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And, you know, even the cost of of materials is going up. So costs up all across the board, but. It's certainly good insight and and good advice to SMBs. Um, And it'll certainly be interesting to see how the retail landscape changes over the next decade. Carly, so I I just want to thank you so much for joining today. And if our listeners wanted to connect with you, how would they do that?
1: Sure. Happy to connect in any way. They can find us on YouTube by searching CRE Fast Five or on LinkedIn or Instagram at Carly Iacono, or of course, phone or email. Happy to be a resource, however we can be.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining the show today. It was great to have you on. And again, everyone check out Fast Five on YouTube. You'll certainly learn a lot.
1: Gabriella, thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate the opportunity and it was wonderful to speak with you.